Revelation 19. Our aim's gonna <clears throat> be to look at the first 10 verses here. This is a, this is a um, I mean, what a, what a phenomenal chapter before us here. Um, later on, you know, in, in the chapter, we see the literal, physical second coming of Jesus Christ with his saints coming back with them, us coming back with the Lord clothed in white on these white horses and so forth. And uh, so much said about that in Scripture. And I really believe here in 19, it's just the, the, the clearest picture given of what that's going to look like. It's very exciting. But in the midst of seeing this wrath poured out there in chapter 16, 17, and 18, and then to finish that out in this time period, we're in this dispensation, which is a period of time at the literal second coming of the Lord. We see this great praise in heaven from a great, great multitude. We also see the marriage supper of the Lamb that's going to take place up there in heaven that, let me ask you tonight, is Jesus your Lord? Can you say amen to that? Amen. You're going to be part of that. And the scripture says, blessed are those who are invited to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And so we're going to look at some details of that tonight and uh, very exciting. We're also going to see again just praise going up in glory, some references as well to that wrath being poured on earth and wrath on the earth but rejoicing in glory because they know what's about to be ushered in, the millennial reign of Christ and you know what God's righteous judgment going forth and justice being served to, you know, a people group left on earth that I think you could really make a case, though there are strong delusions that many are given over because of the hardness of the heart. But boy, you talk about the testimony laid out before them uh, in the great tribulation, and yet we see this group at the end still in rebellion against God and the Lord just, you know what, wrapping it all up and bringing in that millennial reign. And then also, and we'll get into this here right off the bat, um, it's interesting, the word hallelujah, it means the highest praise to the Lord, and it's only used four times in the New Testament, only four times used, and all four times are in our passage tonight. And so I think it, it you know, there's nothing by chance in the scriptures and the way it's put together. I really believe that it's, it's, put only four times in this chapter and again it means the highest praise to the lord so you know in taking words to try to communicate to us this is the word that conveys the highest praise that can be given by man in heaven or on earth and it's reserved for this time when the lord physically comes back and i think that should you know stir something in our heart that how how awesome and glorious that's going to be and and how wonderful even that millennial reign of Christ is gonna be. And that new heaven and new earth that will come in right after that is going to be. And I'm, I'm just really hoping as we look at this tonight that, that, that we can maybe just capture that a little bit, that, that our understanding of this will deepen a bit. And I would hope that it would even help us to become you know, um, more in tune worshipers even here on earth, that all the more, you know, hallelujah would would ring in our hearts. And, uh, you know, the Lord would just really take his word and the Holy Spirit would just illuminate it to us in a, in a way that only he can. You know, he is our teacher. Um, and I know he wants to convey these things to us, you know, not only in our minds that is that process of being renewed as we talked about Sunday and Lord willing, we'll talk about this Sunday, but, but even just, just, you know, in our spirits, and, uh, you know, we got to remember that, yes, we're to test all things by the mind, but we serve a God of spirit, and, and he wants to do a work in our hearts and in our, in our inner man where, again, we don't want to be led by false feelings, but there's something about when you know truth, but it also just, you know, it, 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 it's that those rivers of waters that come out of you or, you know, spring up a well, those phrases in the scripture, and it's just my hope that hallelujah would just spring up a well in our hearts and uh i think that'd be a, a glorious and an awesome thing so let's let's read verses one through ten together here <clears throat> and then we're going to jump right into it after these things i heard a loud voice 
of a great multitude in heaven saying, Alleluia, salvation and glory and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. For true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication. And he has avenged on her the blood of his servant shed by her. Again, they said, hallelujah. Her smoke rises up forever and ever. And the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, amen, hallelujah. Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you his servants and those who fear him, both small and great. Verse six, and I heard as it were the voice of a great multitude as a sound of many waters as a sound of mighty thundering, saying, Alleluia. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory, for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and his wife has made herself ready. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Then he said to me, write, Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. And he said to me, these are the, notice here, these are the true sayings of God. Isn't that awesome? And I fell at his feet to worship him, but he said to me, see that you do not do that, for I am your fellow servant and your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. Worship God, for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. So again, Notice here right off the bat, after these things, and there's an order in the book of Revelation, and we've brought it out as we've gone through it week after week. You know, some people come to this book and they just, they, they think it's just all, all kind of like piled in here, and it's all this imagery that is put in a way so that we can understand. It couldn't be farther from the truth. After these things just comes up over and over and over again, there's order given. We serve a God of order, and orders at his word, and Absolutely, even that tribulation with all the wrath poured out and all the, you know, stars falling from the sky and the sun being darkened out and, you know, the, the moon and just the seas turning the blood, there's going to be an order in it. And we've seen throughout it, even angels lining up with those, you know, seal judgments and the trumpet judgments and the bowls of wrath and so forth. He's a God of order. And he wants to have order in our life as well. And, you know, when there's disorder there, at least spiritually, you know, oftentimes it's a sign that maybe the Lord's not being put first there. He wants to come in and put order. And, you know, at, um, this is the Lord laying on my heart right now, Matthew six thirty three, uh, seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. All these other things will be added unto you. And they always are in order according to his order. So after these things, and again, this is a reference to what, take pla- what took place right before this, as well as before, but more so in the context here, because he talks about the great harlot. He's talking about the fall of this one world religion that is on the rise right now, where we know that when the Lord comes back for his church, all of a sudden there's going to be a, a great void, even when it's a you know, remnant of believers gone, because with a remnant of believers, you have a you have the work of the Holy Spirit of God. And listen, throughout the scripture, for the most part, the Lord works through a remnant of believers. And we even see that in Romans, you know, as we were talking about Israel. And how about just about every generation, there's a remnant of believers. And that, that remnant's going to be gone. It's going to be a huge void in the world. And we know that it's going to get taken up by the Antichrist, as well as leaders from Every world religion that's not born again, and sadly, that's even going to include many uh, apostate Christian. And we know the Antichrist is going to partner with this, as she's called, harlot, uh, harlot religion. You know, it's a a fornication spiritually against God. And uh, for those first three and a half years, the Antichrist will, that beast will use her and she'll use him. And then as we've seen, She's overthrown in that second half of the tribulation by the beast himself. The beast devours her, and we've seen that full-on Satanism comes to the forefront. No doubt something that Satan's wanted to do ever since the fall of man and in certain cultures at different times. Um, You know, and he's gotten pretty far with it, but this will be a worldwide thing that will, of course, include the mark of the beast and the worship of the image of the beast 
and so forth. Um, I took my daughter in for a, a, a physical for our orange card there, you know, to play sports and whatnot on, was that Monday? And we pull up and, uh, you know, we, we, we had a good talk on the way in because of all the bumper stickers. Uh, the only Jesus is coming soon, lastdaysradio.com was on my vehicle. And the other one had several uh, uh, ones that uh, are very, very anti-Christ. And I go, oh boy, what's, what's going on here? And uh, my kids are pretty vocal about that stuff, so we had a good talk. And then we go and we get a little farther in the parking lot and we see the coexist and, you know, all of it, even, you know, the big O coexists on there with all those world religions. And my daughter goes, oh, this one's even worse. And uh, I go, yeah, it is. And we go in, and then I turn, and the lady's sitting there with her window rolled in, <laughs> like one of these. So uh, maybe it was a prophetic word from a 16-year-old. Who knows? I, I, I hope it was. Um, but again, after these things, she falls. That, that religion falls and then just this, you know, mark of the beast comes in, which they've been warned not to take. And then we've seen the last, you know, at five weeks, this world economy is going to fall. That's getting ramped up right now. That seems will be, you know, a, a digital currency. It seems like it's the only way that can work with the mark of the beast. And you even see a union between, again, this one world religion and economy. And then the political aspect of the ones heading it up that fall here in this chapter and so those have happened along with those merchants that are weeping at Babylon falling and weeping that there's no one no longer there to buy their goods as they are worshipers of idol and mammon. And yet, sadly, we saw they don't weep at all over their sin. And they fear the torment that they're seeing on the sea and they're not putting two to two together that, guess what, you're up next. <laughs> Repent over your sin and call out to the Lord. So those are the things. And then he says, I, after that, I heard a loud voice of a great multitude in heaven. And isn't that awesome? You know, it, it'd be interesting. I haven't done this, but I should. It'd be interesting to go through Revelation or, or just pull up, you know, uh, one of them Bible apps and see how many times the word loud is used in Revelation. It seems like almost every chapter you see that word loud. Heaven's going to be loud be a lot of loudness in heaven. The good thing is you're going to have glorified ears, so you're going to be fine. Um, and the loudness is going to center around, though, notice, the worship of God Almighty. And it's loud because, and this is, this is awesome, there's a great multitude there. And we'll see in a second here, this great multi multitude includes the church. And, you know, think about it. The word does talk a lot about remnants, and Jesus himself said in Matthew seven thirteen, enter by the narrow gate, for wide is the gate and broad is the way that leads to destruction, and there's many who go in by it. But narrow is the gate and difficult is the way which leads to life. Notice, and there are few who find it. Those are the words of Jesus. That's the Lord saying there's a remnant. There's few that find it. But here's the thing. When you take generation after generation after generation after generation, a little here, a little there, a few here, more than a few over here. And guess what? You give all that opportunity for people to come to the Lord. Again, the gospel preached at a vacation Bible school. A track passed out, you know, at the food for less. Uh, you know, at some, um, you know, at, um, you know, outreach, at some, you know, podunk station somewhere out in the middle of nowhere where the gospel shared in a soul responds and so forth it's happening right now people are getting saved right now and yeah yeah a few up here one there one there as the lord says there's few who find it and you know what it ends up being at the lord's coming a great multitude isn't that awesome a great multitude and no doubt in that great multitude the lord knows every single one of them because here's the thing we'll, we'll, in, in even in revelation you see great multitude a lot but remember as well, he writes to the churches and he says, you know, that you're going to have a name that only you and God know. Isn't that awesome? To me, that's a picture of incredible intimacy. We're going to have that kind of intimacy with the Lord. And look at that's going to be facilitated because he's God. And he can minister 
you know, to all of us in that way at the same time. We're going to walk with the Lord in glory. It ain't going to be like the great multitude and like, well, I'm way back over here in the back. It's going to, we're going to be the great multitude, but we're going to walk with the Lord forever. That's an awesome, awesome thing. We also know, again, the Lord's not slack concerning his promise to some count slackness. But it's long-suffering towards us, not willing that any should perish, but all should come to repentance. So judgment is coming, and we're reading about it in great detail, but it hasn't come yet in the sense of the tribulation and the second coming of the Lord, and today's the day of salvation. And so even I threw those descriptions out. Let's be about the business of sharing the gospel. Can we say amen to that? Let's be about the business of praying for folks' souls praying those blinders and strongholds that just got people binded up would even be broken so they could have even fresh opportunity to hear the gospel in a clear way and respond to the Lord. So here's this great multitude in heaven and notice what they're, what they're saying. Hallelujah, salvation, glory, and honor and power belong to the Lord our God. Again, hallelujah, it's the greatest form of praise the Lord that you're gonna find in the scripture. Only four times in the New Testament, and they're all right here. We read them, and we'll touch on each one of them. So, again, the tribulations on the cusp of being over. Uh, Jesus is about to slay the beast. He's about to slay, you know, the false prophet. Um, the rebellious followers gathered together there in Armageddon. As we'll see, it seems that. The marriage supper of the Lamb is taking place. Now, I don't know if that's a seven-year thing, if it's a thing right before. The Lord's got that taken care of. I ain't gonna worry about it. I just know I'm blessed because I'm going to it because the shed blood of the Lamb, and that's good enough for me. And it is interesting to speculate and so forth, but aren't you glad you're invited? I mean, that's a glorious thing. And so the Lord, again, as well as getting ready to come and set up his millennial reign, which we'll talk about, Lord willing, in the weeks to come, where, again, there's going to be us ruling and reigning with the Lord with glorified bodies like the Lord had after his resurrection that can, you know what, walk through a wall or even a beach scene on a stage and be physical and so forth, yet spiritual at the same time. Incredible. And yet there on earth, we know that that remnant of Israel gets saved. All of Israel gets saved. The remnant that's left, they enter into the millennial reign practically in bodies like these, as well as those that have endured to the end who haven't taken the mark of the beast. And in Matthew 25, it talks about the judgment of the nations. That happens at the end of the tribulation where the Lord separates the goats from the sheep. And the sheep are these that haven't taken that mark. And they've even ministered to Jews during that time and no doubt even other tribulation saints. And they enter in as well. So in the millennial reign, yes, Israel will enter in as well as many Gentile people. And then there's great descriptions of that in the scripture, which include, look at every man will live in the house he builds. He's gonna, you know, eat from the gardens that he plants, the fig tree in his yard. It's just a glorious picture. And we see in that, that yes, worship is all to God and if they don't worship God then they get a drought and so forth and it's God reigns them with a rod of iron but there's incredible blessing poured out on them and it just shows look at the the Lord's not against us owning things he's against things owning us it's a wonderful thing if you can you know it be blessed with something but you use it for God's glory and it's going to be a perfect picture of that in that time and just knowing this in heaven and and just just seeing it about to come to pass. Again, heaven is just erupting once again, saying, hallelujah, salvation, glory, honor, and power belong to the Lord our God. You know what? Praise to him. And I don't know about you, but myself, more and more, you know what, especially as this, culture just gets more and more distance from God, I find myself longing more and more for these days that we're reading about. And you know what? It stirs my heart to say, you know, hallelujah, Maranatha, come soon, Lord Jesus. Can we say amen to that tonight? And then notice what they say specifically. Salvation belongs to the Lord our God. 
And indeed, it does belong to the Lord. You can't save yourself, and salvation comes through no other. And let's be careful. Let's be careful never to leave room for any other means of salvation in our doctrine. And again, it'd just be in our doctrine because it ain't coming about. We are sinners, and it's only the shed blood of the Lamb that justifies us by faith in Christ Jesus. And I know there's a lot of pressure today to try to, you know, broaden that a bit. Oh, that's just narrow-minded and so forth. These, these fundamentalist Christians are so narrow-minded, you know, boo, and whatnot. And a lot of people waffle under that. Like, well, you know, I want to get along. I want to be liked. And so, you know, I'm a Christian. Christians are supposed to be liked by everyone, right? That's not biblical, actually. Lord, so you're going to have many an enemy. Hopefully, again, it's not because you're a jerk for Jesus, but you're walking with Jesus. Jesus had some enemies. Newsflash, they crucified him. Did you guys get to that part yet? You know? Paul has some enemies. They stoned him, ran him out of town, left him for dead multiple times. John, who's writing this epistle, had some enemies. He's writing it because he's been put on the island Patmos. After they couldn't kill the guy, they boiled him in oil, church history teaches, and he was still alive, so he got banished out there. Had some enemies. But we got to stand out of love for others and love for the Lord. Because how tragic if we as a fellowship went off the ancient path, the truth of Scripture that clearly teaches Jesus' only way and clearly tells us why. And it's so clear why he's the only way. He's the only one that is atoned for our sins. But how tragic if we decide, hey, let's get modern here. Let's get with the game. And, you know, we, we just, we, we want anyone to be able to come in and it doesn't matter, you know, what they're bringing with them. And we're just going to let them bring that and teach that as well. Now, anyone can come seeking the Lord. But if they come not seeking the Lord to peddle another gospel, they'll get opportunity to repent. And then, then as they came in, they'll be showed that door they came in and said, well, there's the door you can take that elsewhere. And that's part of a shepherd's job to oversee a fellowship like that. But how tragic if we decided to broaden that road because... Then we're peddling our own ways, and there's a way that seems right to a man that ends in destruction. But Jesus is the only way. Again, by works of the law, no flesh will be justified. It's through him and him alone. Salvation belongs to the Lord. So if you've been wavering that in a bit, or even when I mentioned the coexist thing, how dare his daughter say that? Look it, you, you, you need to get straightened out by the word of God. Because that's not loving anybody at all. Well, you know, I want to love my Mormon friend. And they, they mentioned Jesus. That's in their eyes someone that was once a man that became God. And they say you can become a God too. And Jesus is Lucifer's brother. And that's not the Jesus of the Bible. You're not, you're not loving them in that. Loving them is bringing them to the truth. You're like, but they might not like me, but isn't that a risk worth taking if it could save your soul? They might not like you, but they might get bored again. And not end up in the lake of fire forever. So there is, there is some upside, you know. There's some upside in that. <laughs> glory belongs to the Lord. And boy, don't you want to glorify him just knowing that he saved you, that he died for your sins while we were enemies of God? I mean, he creates it all. He sustains it all. He saves. Without him, there is nothing. And just so you know, Isaiah 42, 8, he says, I am the Lord, that's my name, and my glory I will not give to another, nor my praise to carve images. All glory belongs to God. And so let's even, in our lives, when we walk in victory in the Lord, and look, there's so many blessings in walking with the Lord. Yeah, there's trials and tribulations, persecutions, but those are even blessings because God uses those to stretch our faith and grow us. But we're a blessed, blessed, blessed people but all glory goes to God, amen? And all honor belongs to the Lord. And interesting, you know, during this tribulation, the bulk of mankind, those whose names aren't written in the Lamb's Book of Life, they're heaping honor on the beast. Who's like the beast? Who can wage war with the beast? Oh, the beast, you know? As he's just lying to them through their teeth, knowing that he's just buttering them up to throw them in the pot to eat them and so forth. The false prophet, you know, the, the image of the beast, uh, you know what, 
getting honored from fallen men. The merchants, you know, honoring the Babylonian system and the great economy they're so proud of, you know, being in charge of and so forth. Even the demons getting worshiped and so forth. The works of their own hands and yet it all comes to nothing. But God will be given honor forever and ever and ever. Can we say hallelujah to that tonight? And you know what? He honors those who honor him. He saves those who calls on him. Those that belong to him. Look at all glory goes to him, but how wonderful to walk in fellowship with him and in the Shekinah glory of God. We get to be partakers of that. And all power belongs to him. I mean, God speaks and everything changes. He spoke and creation came forward. What did he do? Put faith in his words? No, he's God. He spoke and creation came forward. <laughs> he's God. Again, you see his power in his second coming here and just even his power and, you know, even the lights on here tonight. The other morning, my lights were off and so forth. And, you know, that lights, lights are on. You know, it'd be, oh, good, pg and got it back. No, look, 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 ultimately, this all comes from God. And this is just a little smidget of his power that even moves everything on earth. And we're just seeing a little glimpse of the power of our God who laid down his life and resurrected from the grave. And, you know, beautifully... Lord, he, he, he wants us to walk in power. And not in our power that we muster up, but in the power of the Holy Spirit. And, you know, that comes when we're a people that say, okay, Lord, I'm gonna yield to you. I, I, you know, I wanna be a vessel of honor in the master's hands, so Lord, to you be glory and honor, and to you be the praise. And so strengthen your servant so that I can serve you and bring you glory and honor. Look, it's it's... It's very simple. It's not something that needs to be complicated at all. Lord, strengthen us, God. Lord, give us power for your glory. And he'll hear that prayer. Now notice verse two, it says, for true and righteous are his judgments because he has judged the great harlot who corrupted the earth with her fornication and has avenged on her the blood of his servant shed by her. And indeed, look, there's a lot of people that read Revelation and they get all bent out of shape. They read the Bible. Oh, man, I, I just can't handle this God with his judgments. Who does he think he is, God or something? Well, he is God. And his judgments are true, and they are righteous. They're true and they're righteous. What you're reading in this word, these are true words and his judgment is righteous, which means it's right, it's upright, it's holy. How sad would men run around in the rebellion thinking they're going to judge God or something. It's not going down that way. And some people say, well, I just don't like it. And you know what? Even if you want to lay it out, I refuse. You have that option. But you're going to get judged. And it will be a righteous judgment. And you know what? The person in that place might not get that now, but they're going to get it real soon. I mean, open up the word and see what happens when men are in the presence of the Lord. Face plants start happening. People get laid out and so forth. Flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God. And this is a real attack today on Christianity and, you know, what, uh, Christians and the word of God. Because, you know, th this generation thinks it's the love generation. Love is love. Let's love one another when really it's the most unloving group of people probably in the history of the world. If we're not there, we're right on the cusp of it. It is a wicked, hateful world out there. And some of the most nasty people run around with, that was one of the other bumper stickers, love is love. Like, you know, that, there's nothing loving about what you're representing here. This is complete rebellion against God. Jesus said, if you love me, keep my commandments. And the first commandment is to love God, and the second is to love your neighbor. And you can't love your neighbor if you're not loving God. And that sticker is not loving your neighbor. That's affirming your neighbor and their sin that's going to bring a judgment upon them. And so let's make sure that we stand in the fact that God's judgments are true and they are righteous, and we don't waffle in that to appease a wicked and adulterous, adulterous generation that by God's grace, we've even been saved out of. 
So it's not a matter of our self-righteousness or us being holier than them. We know the truth. And how sad when you know the truth of something, when you're in the light and you can see everything before us in the word, and yet you venture out in the darkness to appease those out there versus saying, hey, you guys are in the darkness. Come into the light. It's so much better. So he's judged the great harlot for her fornication, and this is that spiritual fornication, idol worship, and so forth. The whole promotion of occultism and witchcraft and demon worship, which is behind all those false religions out there, as well as physical fornication. It just seems like that's more of the norm today, just sexual immorality you know, put forth, and again, called, well, love is love. That's not love. That's not loving God. That's not loving neighbor. That's not even loving yourself. It's sinning against yourself. It's sinning against your neighbor. It's sinning, sinning against the culture because this idea, what they do in the room won't hurt anybody. It, it actually does hurt. It, it hurts everybody because those things are attacks on God's ordinances. That's not God's design. Those things destroy cultures and break down families and so forth. So if you got that mindset, well, you know, I know it's wrong, but you know what? They can do what they want. They can, but this idea doesn't hurt anybody. It absolutely does. Because when that's your mom or dad off doing that, you don't think that's going to hurt that kid? When you run around and you promote that on Facebook and all your lukewarm Christian friends and everyone says, we applaud you. You don't think that's hurting them? You promoting that false doctrine and that lie? Affirming people to hell? And again, God loves these folks. Just in all of our sin, he loves us and died on the cross. But the message of love is we are sinners. Christ is sinless. He died for our sins. And when we call on his name, we get saved and born again. And if we don't come to him, we're going to be judged and there's condemnation. That is a complete message of love. So they were judged for their fornication spiritually and physically. And then notice we talked a lot about this in the last five chapters. He's avenged on her the blood of his servant shed by her. This, again, Babylonian harlot that in the great tribulation will just ruthlessly go after any who call upon Christ and has also done so really for the last few thousand years. Notice, I'm just gonna read it and we'll move on, but you know what? It's a powerful passage right here that, you know what, should make those that are really aggressive against Christianity and the word of God, it should make their knees knock because this is the word of God and it's true. 2 Thessalonians 1, 6, since it is a righteous thing with God to repay with tribulation those who trouble you and to give you who are troubled rest. Aren't you glad we're gonna have rest? We have rest today, but we're even gonna have more rest tomorrow. <laughs> with us, when the Lord Jesus is revealed from heaven with his mighty angels. This is what we're reading about right now in Revelation. This is commentary on what we're reading right now. What we're reading in Revelation right now is commentary on this passage, this letter to those in Thessalonica. In flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God, on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord Jesus Christ. So look, at if you thought I was extreme in what I'm saying, well, what the Lord says, he puts it a lot more extreme than I ever can. They shall be punished, notice, with everlasting destruction from the presence of the Lord, from the glory of his power, when he comes in that day to be glorified in his saints and to be admired among all those who believe because our testimony among you was believed. That is something else. Flaming fire taking vengeance. They don't obey the gospel. Everlasting destruction from his presence. And then again, notice when he comes, he's going to be glorified in his saints. His glory is going to be upon us and our resurrected bodies and our worship, that sin nature no longer being there, and that I love it, admired among those who believe. People, what are you going to do in heaven? You know, we're going to do part in heaven, we're going to admire God forever. I, oh, yeah, maybe for like 10 minutes. No, we're going to admire God forever. Well, you know, you know, that new show came on, the first five seasons were good, then I just lost interest, don't admire anymore. We're gonna admire God forever. 
And, and it's, it's gonna be that perfect desire to admire being perfectly fulfilled, and yet it will go on forever and ever and ever. Will we ever get tired of admiring God? We never will. We're not gonna get bored. We're not gonna get tired of it. God, do you got any other tricks? Come on, we've already seen that one. No. We're gonna admire God forever. Look at, we really need to emphasize that because there's a lot of, in my opinion, carnal attempts to paint a picture of heaven to appease the carnal Christian mind. They're gonna be racquetball in heaven. You will be able to call Fluffy up to heaven. You know, all this kind of stuff. You know, we know God is an act of God. God is a creator. We will rule and reign with him. But here's the thing. The satisfaction of heaven is gonna be God. <laughs> and us fellowshipping with God. And that might even be an offense to our flesh tonight, to our carnal appetite, and to our, you know, at our earthly members. But there's great rejoicing in this that we should have as a people with the Holy Spirit in that that resistance in us won't be there anymore and we're gonna be perfect, our perfect desire will be for the Lord and we'll be perfectly content forever. You ain't gonna get bored in glory. You ain't gonna a million years in and go, you know what, you've been here a long time. There's gonna be a perfect fellowship with God and no doubt with one another and so forth. And again, the Lord, the Lord obviously, you know, we love activity and things. Again, God gave us many of those things to bless us. They're an extension of God's person and character who chose to create and so forth. And so all that, look at the crafts and activities are going to be covered, okay? <laughs> but we're going to admire God forever. So we don't need like a 500-page book of a guy mustering up, there will be a golf course in heaven, you know? Maybe there will, but look at if there is, the glory will be being out there with God. <laughs> so, anyhow. Notice three. Talks about his judgment. Talks about the harlot getting wiped out, avenging blood on those who shed the blood of his servants. And so what do they do in heaven? Oh, no, God, oh, what are you doing? No. Again, they say, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. All praise and glory to God as the judgment of God is coming upon these God-haters who've had every opportunity to call upon Christ and said, no, we don't want you. Instead of calling out to the rock, we'll go under rocks and call them to fall on us. And in heaven, they say, hallelujah, her smoke rises up forever and ever. In heaven, they're rejoicing about hell. That's kind of a mind blower, huh? It's not to say that we should rejoice in that, oh yeah, I can't stand that guy. Man, I hope he doesn't get saved and go to hell. Look at the flesh. That, the flesh could do that all day long, Right? But let's just remember not back far ago. I, I didn't know the Lord. I was on my way to hell. And look at, I know many would say the same thing about me back then. Some would even hope for that today. It's only by God's grace. We don't want anyone to go to hell. God doesn't want anyone to go to hell. Jesus did something about it. If you're like, oh boy, yeah, God, what kind of, Jesus died on the cross. Jesus took that wrath on himself. He did, we talk about it, Jesus did something about it, the only thing that could be done. He made the way of salvation. But again, this is the wrap up here. And they're rejoicing because God's judgments are righteous and true. Some will look at this, oh, you know, it's just it's symbology, you know, it's not, there, there's none of that, there is no hell. There's no fire, there's no smoke, Wink, wink. God says that with a, it's just a wink, wink after that. No, man, this is throughout the word. Jesus talks about this. Mark 9, and I, I won't get into all of it. There's a, a little smidgen of, of many verses on this. But Jesus said in Mark 9, 44, 46, and 48, about hell, the worm does not die, the fire is not quenched. Matthew 18, 8. The Lord talks about an everlasting fire. 
Revelation 20.10, and remember it's the revelation of Jesus Christ here. The devil who deceived them was cast into the lake of fire and brimstone, where the beast and the false prophet are, and they'll be tormented day and night, notice, forever and ever. And then Revelation 20.14, then death and Hades were cast into the lake of fire. This is the second death, and anyone not found in the and not found written in the book of life was cast into the lake of fire. Again, this is why we gotta be born again. We're all subject to death and our sin, but we either gonna get born again, so spiritually I am crucified with Christ on the cross, so to speak, and I'm made new. I'm a new creation in Christ. I'm born again. Now I'm not subjected to the second death. I've overcome it through faith in Jesus Christ. But if you refuse that, and you don't have that covering over you, you're going to get judged by God's law, then you will face what's called the second death versus having everlasting life. But that second death, it's not going to be I die and cease to exist. It is going to be under the wrath of God in a place of torment forever. And I know some people step back, and that just doesn't seem, well, the God I serve is a God of love. That's not him. That's a figment of your imagination then. And that very God that you would say that about died on the cross for any who would call on his name. What have we done to save anybody? Why well, pointing them to Jesus? Yeah, we can do that, but I don't save anybody. My blood wasn't shed. I can't save anybody. I'm a stinking sinner like the rest of y'all here tonight. I got offended at church, you know. And again, doesn't have to be that way for anyone. Jesus has made the way of escape. We saw in Revelation 18, come out of her. Don't share in her judgments. We see in Matthew eleven twenty eight, 28, the Lord saying, come to me. John 14, 6, Jesus saying, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Proverbs 14, 12, there's a way that seems right to a man. The end is death. I got my own way. That can't save you. Jesus is the only way. And praise God, we call on him, and he, sep- he, he forgives and removes our transgressions as far as the east is from the west. So now I have entrance into glory because my sin's been taken care of. Sin won't be in heaven. God ain't going to have a bunch of sinners run around heaven. Now, I know we're sinners, but we are forgiven, and our sin nature will not be brought into glory. It could be rebellious up there. I never watched the show once, but there was a show on for a while, and I'd see a commercial or something for it here and there about Ted dancing being God in heaven. Anyone ever see that? Like for, it was on for like a number of years. And every time I would see something, it was sin going on in heaven. You know, these, and I ain't going to get into it because it ain't even worthy of repeating. You're running around and whatnot and all this rebellion in heaven. I thought, boy, you talk about a show created by the one that will be in hell, Satan. God throwing out this idea that heaven's going to be just full of this rebellion and heaven's God giving us free liberty to walk any type of debauchery that we want to do forever. It ain't going to be that. You're like, oh, man, but that sounds fun. It's, that's, that's death. God's a giver of life. And praise God, those transgressions removed, they're not going with us to glory. Thank you, Lord. Verse four, and the 24 elders and the four living creatures fell down and worshiped God who sat on the throne saying, amen. Notice again, hallelujah. The living creatures before him why are they living bursting with life because they're before him you getting tired get before him you're like i need a fresh dose of life of energy of strength get before the lord it's amazing when you wait on the lord how god will be true to his word and he will strengthen you he'll strengthen you spiritually he'll strengthen you mentally and you better believe he'll strengthen you physically as well as you turn to him and call out to him And again, the 24 elders. And what do we have? We have a church sighting. These 24 elders, it's a representation of the fullness of the church in glory. 
We first see them in Revelation 4, 3, at the end of the church age. And then it says, after these things, that's when we see the tribulation. And again, notice Revelation 4, 4. We looked at this in detail. We'll look at it when we get to chapter 20 in detail one last time. But this is just kind of it in a nutshell that really shows the church in heaven during the tribulation and not on earth. Because we see these 24 elders, it's before the first seal judgment. It's right after the Lord says to John, come up here, a trumpet's blown and he's in the presence of the Lord. Revelation 4, 4 says around the throne were 24 thrones and on the thrones I saw 24 elders sitting clothed in white robes and they had crowns of gold on their head. And then we read about these elders in Revelation 5, 9. They sang a new song saying, Worthy you to take the scroll and to open its seal, for you were slain and redeemed us to God by your blood, notice, out of every tribe, tongue, people, and nation, and it made us kings and priests to our God, and we shall reign on the earth. That's 24 elders saying that because they represent the fullness of the church. Again, Revelation 5, 9 makes that clear. Some other attributes about these elders, they're sitting on thrones. Those are promised to the church. In Revelation 3.21, they're clothed in white robes. Those are promised to the church, to you. In Revelation 3.5, they're wearing crowns on their heads as promised to the church. In Revelation 2.10, they're kings and priests as we are and has been bestowed on us as the church, Revelation 1.6, they shall reign and rule, these elders that are the church with Christ as promised to the church. In 2 Timothy 2.12, Revelation 5.10, what we just read, and these 24 elders will come back with the Lord and judge as promised to the church. And we see this in Revelation 19, it's actually 4, not 14, 1 Corinthians 6, 2, and Revelation 20, uh, actually 24, excuse me, that is right. That's where we're coming back with the Lord. And then in 1 Corinthians 6, 2, it says, we will judge the earth, and you see the church judging the earth at the coming, after the coming of the Lord. Meanwhile, the tribulation saints, they don't even got a resurrected body yet. I know a lot of Christians, they're itching to go in the tribulation. They, they desire it greatly, they're like, oh, I got seven years of prep here. I'm ready to go, bro. That ain't gonna, you, you think you're gonna like bunker down and get through that with that? If we go through it, God's going before us and Jesus is our refuge. But again, the tribulation's about Israel, not the church. And the tribulation saints don't come back with Jesus on white horses. Look at that, that's not me, I'm sorry. I know who I am in the scripture. They don't sit on thrones, they, they're before the throne. We're told we're gonna sit on thrones. We're told we're gonna have crowns. We're told that, again, we're gonna have white robes and so forth. Those tribulation saints aren't even resurrected until the Lord comes back with his church. They don't judge. I don't wanna be judgmental. Well, we're gonna judge in the Lord. They don't sit on thrones. They don't have crowns. They're under the altar, then before the throne, and they serve eternally in his temple. That's not the church. So again, I know some people got an itch for it. You know what, I got an itch, I wanna go through. If you're serving Jesus, you should be going through tribulation right now. There should be persecutions in your life right now. Well, you know, the church needs to go through that to get some tribulation persecution. I've been getting persecuted and had tribulation the last 25 years of my life. Some of it I bring on myself, and others I know it's the direct product of serving the Lord Jesus Christ. Because this is ideal, American Christianity, it's just a cakewalk. If you're serving Jesus, you're gonna suffer some persecution and some trials and tribulations. So again, the 24 elders, the living creatures, what are we gonna do in glory? We're gonna say, amen, so be it. Hallelujah, all glory to God in the highest, and it's gonna be better than any song ever sung on earth. Notice here next. They fell down to worship. It's a picture of, in fact, the, the word worship there, it means to bow down to the will of God. We don't want to be doing that now, amen? We don't want our worship just to be in lip, but bowing down to God's will 
to God who sat on the throne, but here's the thing, it's also God who right now sits on the throne. He'll be sitting then, and guess what? He's sitting now in the sense of God's not panicked. God ain't running around and going, oh, no, no, what's going on? Four more years of Newsom in California, what are we going to do? <laughs> He's sitting on the throne. He's ruling and reigning on the high. Oh, what are they doing in that San Luis Obispo County? What in the world? I, I thought that, other, that last night, this morning. Lord's sitting on the throne, though. And he's, his eyes are going through and forth throughout the county saying, let me find some people whose hearts are loyal to me so I can show them strong, my strength, you know, on, on their behalf. He's sitting on the throne. So amen, hallelujah. Can we say hallelujah tonight? Then a voice came from the throne saying, praise our God, all you, his servants, those who fear him, both small and great. The voice from the throne is the voice of the Lord. The Lord encouraging them in heaven to give praise to God. He encourages here on earth to give praise to God. Again, all you, his servants, who fear him. And they notice small and great, no partiality with God. Oh, Lord, help us to grow in our fear of you. That's a reverence to God. That's believing God. That, that's, that's understanding God's true in his word. It's like, I'm, I'm gonna depart from evil. I fear God. As the Proverbs tell us, if you're God, depart from evil. Well, no, I'm gonna go dabble. Then look at God who loves you is gonna, gonna chasten you. A child with a healthy fear of their parent, boy, it spares them a lot of heartache and pain in life. We're talking about an abuser here. We're talking about someone that loves their child, that when their child gets out of line, they correct their child in a way that that child is really corrected because they love that child. And look at the, the, the adult never, you never take pleasure in that. Well, maybe a couple of times with my kids, but generally... <laughs> couple times like you're gonna feel good like, you get over here right now i'm a not saying it was right <laughs> yeah. you, it, you know the funniest things are true right <laughs> but just knowing again no god says don't go there because there's consequences in that that are they're not good the lord will use my own actions to, to chasten me but oh lord look what god look at these green pastures yeah, I believe that. I believe that. I'm going to walk in that. God, help me to walk in that. So again, tonight, you servants, those who fear him, praise our God, amen. Verse six, and I heard, as it were, the voice of a great multitude and the sound of many waters as a sound of mighty thunders. Again, it's, it's loud in heaven. You all have those glorified ears, though, saying, what do we say? Hallelujah. Four times. For the Lord God omnipotent reigns, great multitude. I'd have to think they're hearing it down in that valley of Armageddon. It's down there. What are they doing? They're gathering together. This is it. We're going to overthrow Christ. You know, thunderings in heaven, no doubt, getting echoed down in the earth. Maybe someone's like, oh, boy, boy, I think this is a big mistake. You know, oh, boy. If they're not there, they'll be there soon. And again, Omnipotent, which means all-ruling God. He reigns over it all. Let us be glad and rejoice and give him glory. Again, there's great multitude. Let's give him glory for the marriage of the lamb has come and his wife has made herself ready. Let's be glad. Let's rejoice. Let's give him glory. It's a celebration at the end of the age with the Lord and his church in glory. And I don't know if it's there just at the end of the tribulation because it's, it, it, it ushers in the millennial reign or it lasts the whole time. God knows. But I do know this, that in Christ, we're the, the bride of Christ. And look, at that's, that's not said, oh, guys are like, no bride what are you talking about here this isn't making men effeminate 
It's, it's, it's a parable to teach us. What's the greatest you know, covenant on earth between peoples? It's a man and woman and a holy matrimony. The two become one flesh. The Lord takes this that, that he, he wants us to know and understand and have reverence for to give us just a little glimpse of you know, the, the type of closeness we're going to have with the Lord and is even available for us right now. Notice Ephesians 5.25, husbands love your wives. And there's, there's marriage instruction here, but it's, it's more G instruction about the Lord and God's love for us. Just as Christ also loved the church and gave himself for her, that he might sanctify and cleanse her with the washing of water by the word, that he might present her to himself a glorious church, not having spot or wrinkle of any such thing, but that, that she should be holy and without blemish. So again, the Lord washes us. The Lord laid down his life so that we could be presented and be made ready for that marriage supper. Notice here next, verse eight. And to her it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright, for the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saint. Here's the thing with this. There are no righteous acts without first being made righteous. All our righteousness is as filthy rags, <clears throat> Excuse me. But again, he closes with salvation. He gives us a robe of righteousness. Notice there in Isaiah 61, 10, as a bridegroom decks himself with ornaments and a bride adorns herself uh, with jewels. So he makes us righteous. He gives us salvation. He covers us with a robe of righteousness so that what? We're his workmanship in Christ Jesus for good works. Those good works are the product of, again, right standing with God through the shed blood of the Lamb. Verse 9, we're almost done here. Then he said to me, write, let me ask you, is he your Lord tonight? Can you say amen to that? Can you say hallelujah? hallelujah. Then he said to me, write, because you got a blessing here. We're pro-blessing, right? Yes. Right? Blessed are those who are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. Then he said to me, these are the true sayings of God. In Christ we are invited, we are called to the marriage supper of the Lamb. I don't got time to read it. I encourage you to read it later, Matthew 22. It's a picture of a marriage, a wedding feast. The call goes out to, again, the servants of the master. They don't want to come. Picture of Israel in the time of Christ to now. Soon, though, all Israel will be saved. So the master says, they don't want to come. Then go invite as many who are out there. Go to the highways, the byways. Go down the alleys, invite whoever wants to come. And then there's the wedding feast there. And in the midst of the wedding feast, remember, someone snuck in without a wedding garment. And the master says, get that guy out of here. He doesn't have a wedding garment at all. Kick him out. Why? Again, what's that robe that we're going to wear? It's the righteousness of Christ. And again, this is why we preach the gospel, because your good works won't put that robe on you. No, we're Buddha, Muhammad, you know, Jane Dixon, Jean Dixon, her cousin, you know, <laughs> whoever it is, your yoga pose, dude, it is only Jesus Christ that will give you that robe of righteousness and enter into that marriage supper of the Lamb. You're like, Steve, how can you say that with such authority? Because it's the word of God, man. And notice what it says. These are the true sayings of God. This ain't wishful thinking. This isn't something, you know, someone's mustering up. God's word has so much evidence that it's God's word. The prophecies fulfilled. Over 300 alone in the Lord's first coming. By the way, there's five times more concerning his second coming. Many of them even being fulfilled now on the earth. The historical record, 
the science in the Bible being 100% accurate. How about some changed lives in the room tonight? I think that's some evidences, amen? You can't discount that. I was blind, but now I can see. That's a powerful evidence. These are the true sayings of God. And so notice, I fell at, my, I fell at his feet to worship him. John is so overwhelmed with everything he's seen. His emotions are so stirred. He's like, I got to do something. An angel's showing him this. He falls down to worship this angel. He says, see that you don't do that. I'm your fellow servant of your brethren who have the testimony of Jesus. This isn't Jesus. This is an angel talking to him. And then notice what he says, worship God with an exclamation point. For the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. Look, there's a lot of emotion that comes with walking with the Lord. Again, we want to take all our thoughts captive to the obedience of Christ, but look, God gives emotion, allows us to have emotion. Emotion can be wonderful. Emotion can be detrimental if we're just led by emotion. But tonight we've laughed. I think we've kind of like grieved at times. We've responded That's kind of some emotion, right? But here's the thing. John's emotional response does not triumph over truth or give him an excuse for what he's doing. The angel doesn't go, well, he's emotional. Let him worship me. It's all good. The same is true here on earth. Because it's easy to get wacky really quick in the name of Jesus. You get excited about the Lord, and the next thing you know, 100 people in the room, they're all up and speaking in tongues. Well, you know what? You know what? We're, we're being moved, so it's okay. No, the Bible says, let there be two or three or most. Let there be an interpreter. First guy goes, no interpretation. Speak quietly to yourself. Oh, yeah, but there, there's the emotion loophole. No, hang there, bro. Because the Bible says if one comes in who's an unbeliever and see y'all doing that, you know they're going to say? You're crazy. But if one stands up and prophesies, they'll say, man, God's amongst those people. See, there's a reason. And it's selfish to go, but my emotion, so order doesn't matter. Yeah, the, yeah, the prophet was emotional. Oh, he, he was so, look, he was glowing up there. All his prophecies were wrong, but we were moved by it, so it's okay. No, that loophole ain't there. That shipwrecks people's faith. And let's face it, there's a whole lot of that nonsense running around. And then people run around like, well, we're spiritual, so we got a loophole. You got no loophole. I don't care how many of them are in that group, how well-known the leader is, you know. He's got his own private jet, most of them do in those groups. No loophole. The angel rebukes him. Does it in a kind, loving way? Don't do that. Exclamation point. See that you don't, I know you're emotional, but don't do that. God's a God of order, amen? Order in his word that is true. Don't put our emotion over the word. Emotion's good, but emotion needs to be in check by the word. Only worship God. And again, we see this Exodus 34, 14. You shall worship no other God, for the Lord whose name is jealous is a jealous God. And the Lord says, you should worship the Lord your God, and him only you should serve, Matthew 4, 10. So call to order. Worship God. Do things in order. Don't put emotions above the scripture. Don't put experience. Don't put, oh, modern day revelation. Dude, if that don't line up with scripture, kick it to the curb. And the angel says, I'm just a fellow servant. Angels are fellow servants, so don't be worshiping angels. And then he says, worship God. Maybe we'll come right back to this next week, but notice one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight. I got eight verses where Jesus is worshiped. (laughs) And never in one does he say, see that you don't do that, I'm your fellow servant. The Lord receives the worship. Guess why? Two plus two equals four. Jesus receives worship. The Bible says only worship God. Light bulb moment, Jesus is God. I remember a Jehovah Witness years ago. I was living up on Arlene Court in Paso, 
hadn't met Shannon yet. Up there, the, the grubby little area of town and whatnot. I was a Christian rapper and street evangelist. It's like, you want to, I'm, I'm ready to go with it. I'll, I'll throw down with anyone. We're going to talk about the Lord, you know? Usually turn into a shouting match, and I'm like, ah, I, I rebuked him in Jesus' name, you know? Lord, Lord's done a lot. <laughs> I'm sharing love. And this guy's in, and the elder, the elder and his buddy, I like, had some top dogs there in my little, my little studio apartment, you know, all suited up and whatnot. And I'm just like, bro, you, like, you, I, you're peddling nonsense here. And I'm throwing stuff at him and so forth. And then I'm on, Jesus is God. He, you think he's created? I go, what, what did Thomas say when he touched his side and the nails? He said, my Lord and my God. Did Jesus say don't do that? Oh, you know what? Thomas was just startled. So it was like he was, he was cursing. Oh, my God. I'm like, bro, there's, you, you seriously going to bring that in here? You seriously going to bring that? Dude, you're, you're so twisting the scriptures, you can even open up this wacky translation you got over there and he's saying the same thing. Jesus is God. Hallelujah. And he receives worship as God. God the Father's God. God the Son's God. God's the Holy Spirit's God. Three, but one, I can't wrap my mind around it. can't be true. You know what? You want a God that your peanut brain can wrap around? My peanut brain? And by the way, we got a body, a soul, and a spirit. I've done several memorials. I've shared it this year and seen more than one person pass many in my lifetime. The body's there. The spirit's gone. In Christ, that body will be resurrected. And then lastly, again, worship God for the testimony of Jesus is the spirit of prophecy. We'll come back to that next week. Heavenly Father, we bless and praise you. Lord, indeed, hallelujah. God, you are so good. We give you praise and glory. We give you honor. Thank you, Jesus. Bless your saints here tonight. I hope and pray, God, that just this, Lord, this has just ignited worship in us, God, a little bit more. If you're here tonight, you don't know Christ. You've heard a lot about hell. You've heard about heaven. You've heard about the work of the cross. The Bible says, whoever will call upon the name of the Lord will be saved. That's you asking Jesus to be your Lord, to forgive you of sin. They're saying, I want you to be my Lord. I want to follow you. I put my faith in you. He'll wash you, forgive you, write your name in his book of life, give you the Holy Spirit, begin to work in you tonight. Call on him if you don't know him. Bless the rest of our night here. We pray these things in Jesus' name and God's people said, amen. amen. God bless you. Yeah, hallelujah. Hallelujah. <laughs>